Hey, TC, what time is it? Oh, it's time for a purge. <laughs> Makeover, bitch. Hi, I'm Siege. And I'm Tony Coitus. And welcome to Movie Makeover, the podcast where we take the movies you love, think you love, guilty pleasures, or downright hate, and give it a much-needed update. This week's movie is 2013's The Purge. Written and directed by James DeMonico, starring Ethan Hawke, Lena Hedy, Hedy, and Edwin Hodge. Uh, yeah, first thought. Okay. <laughs> I've been wanting to discuss this movie for a while. Yes, you did. Mo- mostly, mostly, mostly because when the movie first came out, I remember watching it in theaters and really liking the social commentary. Absolutely. I, I love that, like... Like, I think we talked about this before, that sometimes horror is the only genre that's willing to take risks with their original stories. Mm -hmm. I love that this wasn't a remake or a reboot. This was something completely (laughs) original, and it was commenting on something that I thought wasn't really commented on in cinema. Which is really funny, considering how it's a franchise now. Exactly. Exactly. Um, But yeah, so I just remember that, and so I was like, oh, you know what? Let's watch this movie again. And I gotta say, I saw it again, and I felt the same way. And I know this movie gets a lot of crap. It doesn't have great reviews but i think it does a great job of being the socially woke movie that we always talk about wanting to see i honestly agree with you i uh first of all just on this movie alone i remember when i first saw it same thing i was like oh i kind of like what this is doing it has some pacing issues that i think could be better and um i know like you'll get into a little bit but it does seem low budget um but i think that helps for the story that it's trying to tell. And it's basically just a thought experiment in a movie. Yeah. And I love everything it brings to it. Uh, it's also really funny because I watched Rambo the other day. I still haven't seen I it I watched yet. the very first... Oh my god. We gotta do that. Because I watched the very first Rambo. Which is brilliant. Right before I... And that's what's interesting to me. I, the reason why I brought that up is because... It's really interesting to go back to the very first movie in a franchise. Yes. And see what its mission was. And And I think. See how it's deterred from that mission. Absolutely. (laughs) And I think that this movie, this was a great launching pad. And as I said, it was a thought experiment that created a world and a universe that we really got to go into and kind of um, make better stories. And I will say that I've never seen a single one of the sequels, but I'm very eager to do so based on this movie. I, you know what? And I will say that this movie does a little bit better than, um, this franchise does a little bit better than some other ones where, you know, the the core concept is there and they kind of play into it more as the sequels go on. Like, how did this start? What role is the government playing? Wait, the government's participating in the purge to take out the homeless in the sequels. Like, let's let's dive into it. So, like, a lot of really interesting things that, that come up. Absolutely. Uh, you want to give us the critics' reception? Yes. Okay, so like I said, this movie did not do very well with critics <laughs> um uh imdb gave it a five out of seven rotten tomatoes a 39 and roger ebert one and a half stars um but with a budget of three million and a gross of 90 million yeah you really can't dude like when i found out how much money this one made i was like oh no they were getting a sequel <laughs> yeah a hundred percent and that like that Bloomhouse logic of hey we're gonna give you like a $3 million, do what you can with it, and they're gonna make a profit. But I think that Bloomhouse just, like, they do such great work by taking these things, as you said, they take these thought experiments that we just don't get from anything else in 
any other genre right now. Yeah. Like, everything's a Marvel movie, which, don't get me wrong, I kind of like Marvel, and I like what they're doing. Um, or it's a time piece movie, and they're all, like, there are plenty of movies that are coming out. I'm like, haven't I seen this? Hasn't this been done? Yeah. And I feel like horror is, horror and Bloomhouse are one of the only areas where you're like, I know I'm going to get something new to think about. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Okay, so let's get into the summary real quick. Okay. Uh, a wealthy father, played by Ethan Hawke, and his family are held hostage by a, harboring a homeless man, played by Edwin Hodge, the target of a murder, sorry, murderous syndicate during The Purge, a 12-hour period in which any and all crime is legal, hijinks ensue. Okay. I have a lot to say about I have this. a ton. I have, like, like, the good... Like, I think it's all kind of merged so together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I will say Where do you want to start? I saw this movie, this is my girlfriend's first time watching it, and the initial premise really captivated her. That 12 hours of, you know, any crime is legal um, was just fascinating. She said, you know, the opening sequence of this movie is really great because it shows you these, like, news footages of the purge happening yeah and it's all shot like news footage and she said i feel like i'm watching the news now like this yep. doesn't seem like something you can see in the years of the thing it's going ahead of time and years like to the future but all of it looks like footage that's we do to each other now. we start with Mar it's march 21st 2022 and i was like and this is all under the new founding fathers yep. and i was like if this isn't Trump era, it's so crazy because this movie was made in 2013 before even 2016 became a thing. But it is very reflective of what I think the fears of the direction we're heading. And like even right now with like all the impeachment talk, it's like Trump is not going to let go easy. And I could totally see something like the new founding fathers being sure. a thing. Well, I also thought it was just like so on top of like ahead of the game. Yeah. Like, because it's so much more relevant now than it was when I first saw it in a way that, like you said, it's just creepier. Yeah. Now knowing that like <laughs> we are, we, this isn't a future that like that alternative uh, Marty McFly back to the future where they're like, we got to get out of this. And I'm like, yeah, we do got to get out of this yet. We're heading straight towards it. It's really funny. Cause a lot of things that were made earlier in the two thousands, like the black mirrors or um, the, any of these dystopic futures, hunger games, they were like, could you imagine? And now in 2019, we're like, I mean, what do we do to avoid? It seems like, like we're just yeah. getting closer and closer. It seemed like there were some like film directors and just creatives who understood that we were at a bubbling, a tipping point that they were really able to to use to to really tell great stories. So um, let's, let's 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 absolutely. Yeah. So I want to start with um, one of the topics that I want to open up with because the movie opens up with is the complicitness of whiteness yep. and, and the middle class. Yep. And I think it's really interesting that we open up on crime, but crime mostly committed by white men. Yep. If you look at it, all of the footage that you were talking about, it's mostly white people who are participating, quote unquote, uh, with the purge. And then, of course, we open up in this suburban middle class family. And you can tell that this is this story is mostly about their involvement in the purge and and people who see themselves as above it or removed. Um, and they're just, like I said, they're complicit. I, I love the, the dichotomy, uh, duality. I don't, yeah, dichotomy. Dichotomy <laughs> of them 
putting the flowers out, saying, you know, blessed is the father, you know, kids, this is the reason why we do this. And then the kid being like, hey, why don't you guys participate? If you really believe this, absolutely. why aren't you participating? Oh, I have a whole section on child rearing in here. Yeah. Because it's very, very, it's very apt in what they're trying to say about telling your kids one thing and then your behavior and the kids, how kids are watching you, you know? And also just how, like, when they started explaining it, it all felt like stuff that they were repeating from, that was told to them. And it's that complicity thing you're talking about. It's like, whites are seeing things happen on the news. They're like, oh, the government, I support it. Not truly thinking about, like, wait, let's actually talk through the details. Do I really want to go along with this? Yeah, let me me just list some of the reasons given to Purge. Okay. Um, First one I think is really funny that we hear kind of early on is entitlement. (laughs) <laughs> like, um, the guy who's the villain, I guess, uh, the main villain of this, he says we are entitled to purge. And I think that's funny that this is one of the very first reasons why we get uh, for purging. The, the, whoever, I, I don't, don't recognize the actor, but the main purger, the blonde yeah. hair guy, uh-huh. perfectly cast. Absolutely. I was like, an oh, amazing that's, job. That is the face of entitlement. <laughs> because he seems like some guy who would be the lead of a frat at some Absolutely. Ivy League school. You know he pledged. You know that he has a job in finance. You know, like, these are just things. Yes. Or a startup. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then also, just, like, off of that entire entitlement, you have things like statements with um, the poor the poor can't afford. Um, like, there was, like, this bit on the radio where this guy calls in, and he's like, you know, the poor are the real victims they can't afford. And the response is, from the guy hosting is, well, we all have our opinions. And I think it's really, again, there's just that middle class, I mean, the facts are right there. And instead of being, like, looking at the facts, their response is, I mean, that's your opinion. I I do (laughs) want to talk about uh, like the radio and the TV and the role that the media plays in giving us Ooh. exposition to the rules of the world. Because I thought, actually, and I'm sure I'll get some shit for this, I thought Purge did it way better than Hunger Games. By the Absolutely. time the Purge starts, oh I God, know so how the world feels about it. I know how the characters feel about it. I have an idea of what we're about to step into, and I have an idea of what the consequences may or may not be from it. These are all questions that, like, we when we were talking about Hunger Games, we were like, well, we don't really understand. Like, there's so much backstory, and you're trying to fill us in, and we can't really, you know, juggle it all, where I feel like this movie perfectly gave us little bits of exposition through the radio, through the TV, through the security cameras, through the everything. Like, it was just yeah. very well done. Absolutely. Um, and then also... What is it? Ethan Hawke says something to his... Again, all of this is under entitlement. Ethan Hawke says uh, to his family, we're fine because we can't afford it. Yep. And that's literally his answer. He's like, we're fine because we can't afford to be fine. The idea of making him like the head of the security system that benefits oh from God. this purge. So much to say. All of the money that they're making is blood money. Like, with, yeah. like, you really have to think about that. Like, they are the ones mainly profiting, showing how white middle-class suburbians benefit from, from, from all these things that are happening without directly being involved or acknowledging their place in the benefits of exactly. it. Exactly. Well, I mean, according to them, they're better because they can't afford. Yeah. Like, the fact that they are making money off of, you know, as you said, this blood money, they completely remove any of their... Um, actions yeah. from their position. And I, I just really love that they made him, like, the security guy that's that's involved because 
it's not just he's just some random rich white guy. No, he's directly benefiting yeah. from everything that's happening. And, and I think it's really funny that he's always like, it's a team effort. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting that he keeps pointing out that this is not him alone. This is a team. Yes. And I also love that the guy who is so secure about security, I have the best security system. If you watch the movie, the the mom's like, okay, the purge is starting and she's like watching the security cameras and he's like, let's just go watch TV. I'm not worried about this. I have no reason to stay up all night and defend my family because I trust that this isn't something that will hurt me. I'm going to get into security there a little bit later. But um, the other reasons that we have for the purge that we can go through and then we can talk... um, I said entitlement, jealousy yes. is a reason. Well, a release of your sins. Yeah. Um, th- there is a religious element that I really want to dive yep. into. Uh, patri- being patriotic is one blindly of the reasons. Blindly patriotic. And blindly patriotic. Is it. And as you said, releasing all the anger and kind of eliminating poverty. Well, they say that, like, okay, crime is down to an all-time low, blah, blah, blah. It, in reality, it has very little to do with the fact that, you know, people are getting rid of their sins on this one night. It has more to do with the fact that on that one night, they are taking what they deem to be the scum of the earth out of existence. They're the people who are benefiting off of our resources, the people who are homeless, the people who, you know, we think they are say less aren't than contributing, people. I believe. You know, uh, the main, uh, I keep wanting to refer to him as a white nationalist, because that's the vibe I got, the main purger. I'm I'm okay with that. (laughs) He kept referring to the black homeless guy as a swine. He referred to him as an animal. He never referred to him as human. It's always animal. And so I just feel like all of that stuff was was really well, well thought out. Well, what was funny to me is they say things like, you know, this is to release your anger and to deal with poverty. I'm like, you know what else would do with that? Therapy. Yeah. Therapy is a good way to deal with um, anger and universal health care. Yeah. Um, fair wages. All of these are rational solutions to everything that you just talked about. But I think it's, of course, commentary that for America, no, we go straight to, no, let's just what's gonna, sell more things. What's going <laughs> to be quick and the most profitable for us? And if we have to lose some lives, at least it's not the good lives. How can we capitalize on this? And I also think that this whole, like, if you really want to kind of, like, take a step backwards and think about, like, the fortress and the security of your home and, like, oh, we have the walls to keep the undesirables out. I mean, you could think of that as... Build that wall. Build that wall, 100%. <laughs> That's totally what I was thinking. How easily that wall can be destroyed and how easily your your confidence can be destroyed when that happens. Yeah. So, um, you just because you brought it up a few times, one of yeah. the things that I really love in here is, as we said earlier, he is the main salesman, the number one salesman. Yep. Of this security system. And then the moment that's challenged, it's just all revealed to be security theater. Yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, to be honest, they could totally get in here. And after he says that, it takes them no time once they get their tools. It's like one hit or one battering of the ram. The doors open. The windows are down. Like, everything is so easily accessible. Can I just say the one thing that <laughs> did... Uh, and I don't really have much bad, so I'm just going to yeah. throw this in here. Um... I hate that, like, they were like, hey, deliver the homeless guy to us or else. By the way, we're going to keep your power off to make it yeah. way harder to find. <laughs> By the way, people are continuously getting lost in this in this house. How big could it possibly be? Yeah. But- no, 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 I just thought it was really funny because he's like, um, he specifically says, this isn't built for worst case scenarios. Yeah. And I'm like, then what is it built for? Just it is the appearance. built for just illusion. 
it looks nice. And I love what we're saying with that. Which lets you know that everybody else in that community has the same flawed security system that I'm sure he sold as... No, like, he did. Yeah. And that it's, it's, again, what they've done is they've capitalized on... First, the lie they, they created, yeah, they created this problem, i.e. the purge. It's government sanctioned. Yes. Then they sold people a lie of security... And they are, they know that it's completely flawed and doesn't do anything it's supposed to do other than appearances. Uh, I was having this discussion the other day with someone while we were going through security and I was like at the airport. And I was like, you know, most airport security is all theater. Yes. Like anytime um, it's actually, they do like a real test, MTA or whoever it's called usually fails. Like, yeah. like, you know, it was like almost each and every time they're like, oh, we completely got this Have you vibe. ever been to an airport? There's so many people in security. There's no way they're going through it's everyone's things. It's all theater. Yeah, like, um, I had a friend the other day who talked about someone got on her flight that wasn't supposed to be there. And the person just accidentally got on the wrong flight. But it's like, how do you accidentally get on a flight that you're not supposed to be on. Home Alone 2 can never happen All of now. these things. <laughs> but no, I mean, and I just think that that's really, really amazing. Sure. Because again, I, so many Americans believe in these quote-unquote systems that we have. Um, when the people who sell them to you know that they're false. Um, you mentioned patriotism, and I just want to talk about that for one second. Because there was a line they kept saying where they were like, you know, just remember all the good the purge does. Yeah. And and just like Make America Great Again, I had to follow up with, for whom? Yeah. <laughs> the, the, how You know, the good the purge does for whom exactly? You know what I mean? Because it's not doing well for the homeless or for the people who can't afford these giant security systems. So, But I think it's, as you said, it's the for whom. Because the only individuals who they are really talking about. Like, you know, when you say things like unemployment, it's down. It's just like, well, is unemployment down because there are fewer people? And therefore, if there are fewer people, then the quality of jobs hasn't had to go up. Or the variety of jobs hasn't had to... Or is are it, we even making new jobs now? Or is it just that more and more people are dying and those or positions... Or just that be everyone can have a technical side gig. So it says that they're employed even though they're making below minimum wage. Because Absolutely. they're driving for Uber in a place where they don't get many rides or something like <laughs> that. You know what I mean? Like, unemployment is one of those things where it doesn't really... We're getting all, all over the place, guys. <laughs> One thing I do want to talk about real fast is how do you feel about the actors of this movie? How do you feel Ethan Hawke did? How do you feel Lena Headley? Is that her name? Yeah, Lena Headley. How do you feel that they did? So I feel that everyone played their trope. Yes. Right. I don't feel like anyone really dug into their role, but I feel like everyone played, and I mean everyone, I feel like Ethan Hawke plays that overconfident white dad very, very much. Yeah. I feel like... Lena Headley. I mean, she's funny because she's famous for her character in Game of Thrones, yeah. who's all about her children, and that's who she is. Yeah. Like this moral dilemma of <laughs> protecting my family versus what I feel is I should be doing. When we when we start with her uh, at home, she's drinking wine, and Marianne <laughs> looks at me and she goes, "Every time I see her on screen, she's drinking wine." I hope it's in her contract. <laughs> I would love that to be like just her writer. It's like must have glass of wine on yeah. set. Um, and then the daughter plays, you know, the ignorant, naive schoolgirl. Yeah, there, there are all these tropes, but I do feel like there's, like, we are seeing these tropes 
you know, uh, kind of unveiled. Like, we're seeing what's beyond the trope. And, like, the beyond the overconfident white guy is a guy who his entire world can fall apart in one night, and he really doesn't have the, the agency to do anything about it. For the mom, we see this woman who, you know, when, when they're tying up the homeless guy, that scene is so charged because, at least for me, you know, I'm seeing, the like, Lena Headley's basically the voice of conscience in that scene of just, like, what are we doing here? Well, actually, so I would say and this leads to our conversation on the children. The children are actually the conscious. Like, it's the, the You're young right. boy yes. who starts off the conversation. with. And like, he, do you know, did you notice that he's literally shining a light on what the parents are uh, doing? That's beautiful. He I feel like a that's a read, but that's so good. And he's literally shining a light on their behavior. And then the you're right. The daughter is crying, and she's like, "Nothing's ever going to be the same again." Why are you doing this? Like, that's what I thought was interesting. The fact that Ethan Hawke's character goes and he's like, "Oh, every like we're going to do this, and then everything will be normal and cool." And you're like, "Is it though? Like, yeah. are you any better after this?" And I also think that there is a commentary there on family dynamics and what, again, the culpable white people do to quote-unquote protect their family that ends up being so much more damaging yeah like he don't get me wrong he is protecting his family but in by a physical telling, sense yeah but by telling his wife dra- grab that and stick it into his wound stick it into his wound like whoa let's calm down here for a second you're reaching into areas that go beyond protecting your family exactly well he's he is uh i have a whole other section on black bodies later but like him, you know, they really get into, like, the gruesome and the binding of, of this helpless man, yeah. by the way, in order to kind of um, absolve themselves from being targets. And he's saying that it's us or them, which everyone sees as this false light. That's not, it's a false choice. Yeah. It's not us or or him. It, you are actively choosing the easiest route uh, and the most passive route when doing so. Sure. And what's funny is you are fighting to keep your passive decision, even though it's way more work, you know, than it would be to just um, go along with him. Additionally, as we said, it's the fact that his children are, specifically the little boy, they're constantly Blanket? questioning that. I kept him? calling him Blanket because he wanted <laughs> to be Michael Jackson's kid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. We'll go with Blanket. But Blanket constantly is asking and challenging his parents with their beliefs in this system. And yes. they keep telling him, as you said, they keep saying things to reassure him when in reality, you can tell they don't really believe these things. These are just sound bites. And I think it also makes a lot of sense um, for Blanket to be the voice of reason because he's the one who starts this conflict. He's the one who allows this person to enter the home to protect them. Um, he doesn't ask any questions afterwards about, like, did I do the right thing? He just felt like, no, we're, he was in help. We needed to do this. Well, what's funny about that to me is there's, uh, when when you see the black guy on the street and this kid sees someone in need and he, you know, makes a judgment call and he allows him and helps him. He helps him numerous times just throughout. You can tell that the boy do does so because he was raised to be mindful of others and to but it's so funny how quickly his parents turn on the turn lessons on the said. lessons that they they, yeah. they again they say things like be kind to others and you can tell that he was raised with a moral compass but it was all again it's all show 
Because when push comes to shove and the parents have what they feel something to lose, yeah. they are mad at him and they question his decision making. Who? Why would you do this? Who told you that this was okay? You don't know anything about this man. And they're just, there's anger and they flip the script on their humanity, which they clearly taught this boy to have. It's so interesting, too, because uh, there's so many parts of this movie that I could talk about for hours. <laughs> one quick thing that I want to talk about is when the boy's about to let him in, we're watching the security camera of the homeless, and I wish I didn't have to call him a homeless black man throughout the movie, but he doesn't have a name. So. Uh, we, we could just refer to him by the actor's name, which is Edwin Hodge. Okay, so Hodge is outside, he's, he's, and he's screaming for help. Yeah. All of these people can hear him, but they're safe and comfortable inside their homes, and they refuse to compromise their safety to help the black man who's screaming for help. Well, that's one thing I do want to say, because I do want to, like, uh, we can get into Hodge, because this this is all leading there as well. But with Hodge, I was like, the black man in the middle of the night in a strange neighborhood asking for help? Nah, son. That's, like, that's not happening. You, wait, wait, you're telling me right now that a black man, like, not even because he is set up to be homeless, but you're going to tell me that you, a non-homeless, a, I would say, middle-class black male, if you found yourself in the middle of a white neighborhood during a time when all crime is legal, do you think you would go up to doors and knock and be like, let me in? I'm I, a strange black man. You know what? You're going to help me? <laughs> I, I will say that, but I feel like what we're supposed to see is a black man in a white world. Oh, no, I, I get that. Man, yeah, yeah. A black <laughs> man in the white world where he has to have a white ally in order to protect himself. The metaphor is clear. Yeah. I'm saying the Actually, reality. Yeah, the reality is. <laughs> I didn't want to let my house either. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You, he, on all honesty, he could be in the hood. And yeah. they'd be like, nah, son, you don't bring that here. And I just... But you know what? The whole movie is full of those questions where I'm like, would I do that? Would I not do that? Clearly, this man is hurt. He's bleeding. The whole time, I'm like, if he's, if he was, if my kid let him in, would I let him out to the people who are threatening to kill my family? Like, all of it are questions that are so deeply ethical that it really. And I, I, I do think this movie is supposed to be a. It's supposed to. You're supposed to ask yourself those ethical yeah. questions. And I, I will say, I can unapologetically say, I would not let him in. This is something where it's like I would have soundproof headphones on if I was one of the the haves. I would have soundproof headphones on. You know, like we are we are playing denial because you cannot be in tune with what's going on in the outside world and still keep your humanity. I don't think that I don't understand why possible. people don't leave the country for the day. Like it's, how hard is it to just go on vacation? It's really funny. Even the writer was like, I'd probably be in Canada. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like what do you do? And like honestly, like and, and I I get that, like, not everyone can afford to do that, but clearly there are There should be a can. lot more people who are like, oh, we for Purge Week, we are in Spain, you know? <laughs> or at the very least, it's like, hey, guys, don't walk around the house. We're going to we're gonna bunker down in this room for the night because, you know, safety. Like, anything. Well, but I think it always goes back to the first, which is entitlement. Yeah. It, there's, there's no fear. Like, even if you talk about the, the masked men... They have no real fear or danger, even though they are outside. Why? Because the entitlement protects them. But, man, when that when they came to the door asking for the homeless man, was that not just like, hey, have you guys seen a runaway slave? Like, Dude, I wrote, 
I wrote Underground Railroad. Yeah, like this 100%. felt very Underground Railroad, and I love it. I feel like you could do this exact same premise and have it be set at the Underground Railroad of just like, hey, have you seen this? Like, if we find out that you're lying, we're gonna we're gonna kill you. Like all this shit is something our country has done before. Absolutely. Um, and I think like everything you're on right now, just to kind of stick with Hodge a little bit. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Some of the points that I wanted to have is, as I said earlier, humanity is only lip service because it's the first question they ask is why would you help him he's he's bloody he's pan like why wouldn't you he's not even aggressive yeah and i think don't get me wrong there's definitely a moment there where you're like how would i react because there is a stranger now in my house but what's funny is there are two as far as the audience knows there are two unexpected bodies in this house at the moment Yes. And the most dangerous one is the white kid. Is the white kid. It's the, it's the, well it's not even young like, white boys with guns are the ones you really <laughs> need to be afraid of. Let's, let's, but it's not even the the white kids, which it is, but I think it's a matter of it's the ones that you already know. Yes. There's all the there's, neighbors. Yeah. Like you, the people you know. There is so many, and I want to get back to that, but there's so many um there there's so much lore behind again the us versus them the outsider the the scapegoating of uh minorities or other people as you said the outsiders as the problem but this movie constantly shows us that the biggest danger were the people that they knew um and and even so even though it was the white boyfriend who tries to shoot the dad the hunt is for the black body because that's who they see as still dangerous. All right. I'm going to throw out a fan theory, and you can tell me if you (laughs) think this is too far stretched. This movie came out in 2013, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think you could metaphorically envision a a world in which the House are Democrats and the black man is Obama? Mm-hmm. I feel again. I feel like you are doing very deep readings, but I know, I'm I know. not. Here's the thing: I also don't really. <laughs> Why did you let him in here? Get him out of here! <laughs> like all this, like when you really think about just like this idea that like the black man that you feared getting in control or having any power. Once he had that power, he used it to with compassion and with and with to be gentle. And he wasn't the monster. And the monster you were, you should actually be afraid of, are these militant white dudes that are killing for no reason so i just found a lot of political metaphor there and maybe i'm digging too deep but i feel like it's purposely ambiguous so that you can do that. well i don't think that you're digging too deep i just think that historically this could be said for any black sure, person sure, sure um some of the things that i wrote was like the history of torturing black bodies yep. even in this movie one of the most gratuitous scenes that we have is with the we've seen the boyfriend gets shot, almost nothing happened. We've seen Ethan Hawke get stabbed. It's all of these are moments. And even when he, there's the killing spree at the end, it's like almost like cathartic and the audience has earned it. But the real slow torture is done with this black body. Yeah, while and children watch. While children watch. And I think that says a lot about America's history and willingness to really 
watch and view the destruction of black bodies. But when it comes to white bodies, they're like, yeah, it happens. Well, and also <laughs> just the way that children like witness what's happening on the news with cops and black kids. What, the, the way they witness all these things that are happening and they're asking mom and dad, they're like, why is this happening? They're like, well, that's out there. That's not in here. You know, just kind of passing the buck along, not understanding that like by being non-reactor like by not doing anything you are implicitly allowing this to happen absolutely but then what's even funnier is again with the the movie when it comes into the house you know they're like oh that's not us but when it comes into the house their their first reaction is to participate in the oppression of this black body and again it's like i think you could say that's a metaphor for Obama, but it also just feels like it could be a metaphor for any black struggle. Sure. Um, in the sequels, we see more minorities. We see a lot of Latin uh, minorities and black minorities. But I wanted to ask you, like, if this character was Muslim, uh huh, like, would that change the narrative at all, or would that still? I think it's any person of color. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think to be honest, and this is kind of sad, but in American culture, black male is stand in for minorities and minority we're afraid of yeah absolutely yes absolutely. well and that was the other reason because i was like why are they keeping this girl in her schoolgirl outfit and i think that's to play on this idea of there's a attractive young schoolgirl in the house and there's a black man running around we can't let like there's danger and there's again danger. it's really funny because there's no uh that's not explicitly said or they're they don't they don't like oh did he or anything like that but it's definitely there. And yeah. it's like, you're right. You're so right. I love that. Um, but also, I said that with this black character, with Hodge's character, there's the story and the history of black people being the source of humanity and the quote unquote willing sacrifice yes. for the white people's illusion. So he's like, you know, once he sits there and he has been tortured and he is tied up. Um, and he sees Ethan Hawke talk to his daughter, he's like, you know what? Protect your family. He's willing to lay his life on the line in a way to let this man, who is part of um, his oppression, be able to, like, save his family. And I, they, I, think, I, I think what you're touching on is really interesting because, like you said, Black people in this country have had a history of being dehumanized. Yes. And yet... Even this man in this circumstance is able to humanize himself and think, you know what? If I had my family, I don't know that I would do something any different. Just go ahead, save your family, take me outside. Like he's able to put himself in someone else's shoes. Absolutely, and that's what I—that's what I'm saying. Um, yeah. And then the last bit that I wanted to deal with Hodge is, as we said earlier, he's um, a black man who's kind of a stand-in for most minorities and the fear of minorities. But I also think that there's something to be said about the other two characters of color that we see who is the asian neighbor and the black woman who's married to the white man and again how the the corruption of affluence it really is it, it's it that shows us we're looking at class differences not just racial differences because and i but i will say the black woman the asian man they don't go there to hurt the other minority but they are going along with something that uh uh, a Becky is saying that like we should go over there and take advantage of. Well, this. again, like you're what I'm saying is you're right. They don't go over there to uh, oppress the black man. But they're like, we're, I'm not going to mess up my spot. I'm gonna go along with exactly. Else That's what I said. Right. The corruption of affluence. Like they are still participating. These are people 
who should see him and be the first ones to be like, yo, man, let me help you out. Or, you know, like, they understand. But instead, they are willing to, in one case, die for the maintaining their station. You know, I I have to say, the Asian man doesn't surprise me that much because, (laughs) uh, and I don't say that to be racist, but, like, I've been around this country well enough to know that, like, if there was a line in the sand, they're not on my side. No, absolutely. And, I mean, I think it's really important that they chose uh, an Asian man and a black female because the Asian man, like, historically speaking, uh, Asian Americans have almost always been considered quote unquote the model minority and they will side with whiteness if they if they can do so. And um and the interracial relationship I found to be very fascinating. Absolutely. As again, this is a black woman married. It's not like she's part of a black couple and and that affluency. It's she is married to a white man. Yeah. And again, we see her as part of them, not as an ally for him. And, you know, um, I don't know if you're going to talk about Becky in a bit, um, (laughs) but I just found it really interesting that, you know, at the beginning when we're introduced to Becky and she's just like, oh, you guys are adding an addition to your house. You know, oh, yeah, we had a really great year. And she says, like, not everyone had the year that you did. It's not this thing that's coming out of nowhere. They really do step in. But it felt strange to me that all of these people were going along with what the white woman got really upset by. Like, she got really excited and upset, like, hey, this is our opportunity. I want to cleanse my jealousy. I want to do this. She's the one kind of leading this charge. Well, but I think that if we want to just, like, really get social about this, I think that she's not leading it. She's just the voice of it. Yes. Well, and I just mean how that that whole, let me speak to your manager, white confidence, like, I get such an and Coulter vibe from this woman <laughs> of just like, you know, no, I, my voice and what I feel matters more than all of this. So I'm going to kill you to make my feelings matter. Well, I mean, and I, I don't think that white women actually do that, but I do think that like when a white woman speaks in our country, she is more heard than when a uh, Asian man or a black woman. Absolutely. Speak in country. No. And I, and I do. And I, again, her involvement with everything, yeah. her like, the fact that she is the she's the face of betrayal yeah. in that, which again, I think if you really if we wanted to like write a paper, this movie is filled with symbolism so much, yeah. um, including what I was saying uh, earlier. That's a great segue into the other section I wanted to talk about, which is the haves, yes. the, the people who, um, as the masked man talks about, he said, "We are the haves. We are the ones who have," and the haves. In this neighborhood, um, even our main family, they're part of the haves. The people with wealth, they're actually the ones who are most dangerous. Yes. You know, the black man is vilified as danger, but it is the entitlement. It is the neighbors. I think this movie does a perfect job of showcasing that in our country, we often say that the people who have the least are the ones we need to be the most afraid of, when in actuality... The people who have the most are the ones we should be watching. Absolutely. I mean, because they, they're the ones who are responsible for most of the carnage that we see going on. 100%. Um, and then, um, so, like, one of the things I, I, that Masked Man said oh, yeah. that I thought was really uh, interesting, or non-Masked Man, the, the yeah. leader, is he goes, uh, Hodge had the audacity to fight back. 
Yes. And that, that was another I, thing. I love his whole uh, confrontation because he speaks so eloquently. He says, you know, we are white, well-educated. We're rich. <laughs> like, he says that. Like, we're well-educated. Like, I can tell by your home that you're one of us. I can tell that you don't belong with that, that animal. So I'm going to respect you and I'm going to speak with respect to you. But... But if you do not let me get off, if you do not let me get what I'm after, I will do whatever it takes for it. And I just thought all of that, his conversation with him was so fascinating. Well, so what I thought was interesting, uh, if we're, we're doing this analysis, is that um, it's really important. From the very beginning, we are talking about the purge and, and, again, what good it does. And to me, it's also like a metaphor for going to war. Or, or yes. just the violence in, on the news and stuff like that. Because what's funny is um, when they're at the dinner table and they're talking about their day, um, the daughter says something like, he should have cut off his penis. And the moment she says that, the, the parents react. They're like, this is dinner table. That's inappropriate. Um, why would you say that? She just mentioned, she said penis. And she, she talked about violence towards the penis. And they are up in arms. On the night of a purge, <laughs> like uh, we are literally about to live in a world where, on television, they are constantly showing you different live feeds. I, th I think this is a perfect ex example of how, like, in like American homes, we try to shelter kids from sex and violence. Yet all they have to do is turn on the news, and they'll see a black man die by a police officer. Well, like, that's... turn on the news or um, just. Be in the world like there's so yeah. much of our media. They can go to said. school and yeah. see kids get shot. You know what I mean? Like that's honestly the world we're in. So like, but to, to talk about it, to talk about it is too much. To show that on TV, oh, that's inappropriate. That needs to be for adults. But by the way, here's your bulletproof backpack. Have fun at school. Are you kidding me? Well, well no. What I think is interesting is specifically it's. Uh, as, especially if we're talking about what's forbidden, it's the sexual aspect. Of yeah. It. The it is the um fact that she said penis which is like over the line but later on the boy is shown watching live feed with his parents you know yeah, yeah. about what's going on we don't have a problem with violence in this country uh being shown but sexuality is a step too far i did i was very curious and i want to get your thoughts out of what you thought of the boyfriend and the girl like i love that you brought that up yeah 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 um for several reasons uh one the hubris of the boy in general yeah um just the audacity that to be like no i'm going to talk to him tonight um by the way the purge is a thing and the father has every right to kill you at any point in time yeah but you're just bold enough to be like i'm going to approach him even though we know that he has the motive to kill him it's still like you just are in this man's house um, unannounced, expecting to just show up and nothing bad happens. I was so looking forward to him. I, I really was very surprised that, and maybe we're supposed to get this that, like, uh, you know, well to do middle class American or upper class American girls aren't focused on the problems of the world, that she doesn't even think, like, it's strange that you're here on Purge Night. Maybe my parents <laughs> shouldn't know that you're here. You, violence is allowed. Like, you know, she doesn't think of, like, the what could go wrong. She's like, okay, yeah, you're going to talk to Dad, and it's going to be... She puts in her headphones. Yeah. And let him go by himself. And you're like, in what world? Like, I mean, clearly in this character's world, but it is something to say to where I'm thinking to myself, 
you just let him talk to your father by himself. Your father, who doesn't know he's in the house, by the way. Yeah. This is a recipe for this boy to get shot. <laughs> and the fact that, again, all these security systems and everything, he has no idea that someone's even walking around. You don't want to have interior cameras the night of the purge, not just this one time. Like, let's think about this. Uh, I also think that the boyfriend brings up something that is um, interesting considering what we just talked about with sexuality, which is um, they say that violence is primal, but also sex sex is primal, like even in love. And uh, I mentioned that because when she says, I love you, he goes, uh, let's growl. Let's, let's uh, you know, instead of saying, I love you, I love you, it's just words and it's oversaid. Yeah, yeah. Let's growl. And again, that to me was this connection of love being equally as primal as, as violence. I will say when I first saw this movie, because, you know, obviously The Purge tends to focus on violence, um, but all crime is legal. Yeah. And I remember seeing this movie thinking, I wonder if they've had sex and I wonder if he's going to make her have sex. Mm. Well, like, so that's another thing. I mean, we can really, really dive into the, the premise itself, which I think um, just in this particular movie, I know they expanded, but in this particular movie, is it does raise so many questions because if all crime is legal, as every so many people have said, I love the memes. Now, when we were like, if all crime is legal, then yo, let's uh, let's go get these bank records. Let's yeah. eliminate student debt. Yeah. Let's, <laughs> like, you know, like let's let's all band together and like really solve some of these problems that um, bureaucracy is preventing us from eliminating. Yeah, I mean, whenever I have that question where I ask people like, hey, if there was a purge, would you do it? They always say no, and I'm like. You don't want want Nikes? You don't want nothing? (laughs) See, but, like, I just think, in general, human beings, like, at least in the society we have, um, there is something about vulnerability. The people who are out are the ones who feel entitled and feel like... Or feel like they have the means to protect themselves while they're out there. Well, I mean, like, not even the means to protect themselves. There's just, again, the boyfriend being out there, that's hubris. Yeah. The... Um, yeah, you're right. He's out on Purge Night. Where are his parents? The masked group in general. Like, again, they don't seem to have any fear. He shoots one of his friends point blank. Again, the most dangerous people that uh, kid was around uh, is his friends. But they're all just kind of like, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? Nothing's going to happen to me. I'm already at the top of the food chain. I thought um, they did a great job with having the um, the hunters, I guess, if you want to call them. Yeah. Um, We've I, switched names know, like so many times. They, uh, I just, well, I thought it was interesting that they said, like, they referred to it as hunting. Like, oh, I didn't know that they were out hunting tonight. I didn't know that they were doing that. I just thought that was a really interesting uh, phrase. Which, again, goes back to that whole primal uh, nature of this. Uh, but it's interesting because in a movie that you know, stripped of everything could just be a purely ethical question. They add in all these, like, Manson family imagery to this to this hunting group, which adds to the creepiness factor. Like, you know, the fact that they're wearing these masks and the fact that, you know, they're doing just these ha-ha-ha, like, yeah. dancing outside. These things that are just nonsense. Like, you know, like, you could die, but you're just singing songs and, like, swinging outside as if, it, you know, and I understand it's a creepy imagery to it, but it's just to your point, like, they are completely oblivious to the danger that's going around around them because they've never been confronted with true danger themselves. Absolutely. Um, that's all I have for the good. Do you have anything else? Um, yeah, I do. Um, I wanted to talk to you about, um, I, I really, I just have some questions. That yeah, I let's ask. go. Like, for me, um, one of the, the 
you know, questions that I always ask when I'm in horror movies is like, what would I do in that situation, mm-hmm. right? So I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Okay. And you just tell me what you think you would do or how you would react to those questions. Okay. Okay? Got those scenarios. Okay, so, Purge Night. Yes. You're in your house. You're uh-huh. all sealed up. Uh-huh. I, we've kind of already talked about this. But you see a injured person of any gender and race outside screaming for help. Do you let them in, yes or no? I told you, I would have had my uh, soundproof headphones on. I don't even know they're out there. All right, fair enough. Fair <laughs> I'm enough. watching a movie. I'm watching Rick and Morty. Surprisingly, the Purge episode, because <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> um, okay, all right, so fair enough. Person comes in through someone else in the home letting them in. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Again, I think at that point in time, because I did have that thought process where it's like, someone else let this person in. What do you do? And I think at that point in time, you assess the situation. Very much like you would in, in any of these end-of-the-world situations where someone from the outside comes in and you don't know their intentions and you just basically you take a... a I'm thinking right now of Bird Box where, um, you know, someone was brought in by another person sure, sure. and you're just like trying to vet them as much as possible. And I think that's what you would do. You would take it from there. Uh, and that's that's my honest reaction. Okay, so one of the things that I always found really terrifying in movies, and I saw this in the movie The Strangers as well. I totally thought of The Strangers yeah, while I was yeah. watching this, but keep Is on. this scene where, at the end, they're all tied up, essentially. Like, they're tying everyone up, and the mom, um, her husband's already died at this point, and she's like, the, the neighbors are like, no, we're gonna, I guess you, you and the kids will have to do. Yeah. And it's this moment where Lena Headley is just, like, screaming and crying, like, please, please not protect my, my kids, not not my kids. Like, the, that feeling of just pure helplessness where you don't, like, the moment where you need autonomy the most, it's taken away from you because someone yeah. you're about to love is, is about to die. Um, what do you do? What do you do other than just plead for mercy? Like, is there anything you can do? And I feel like because I don't have an answer to that question, that's why this scenario creeps me out the most. Well, so it's interesting to me because a few things. One, I I think of that scene with Lena Headley and her kids versus the one with the black guy again. And yeah, yeah. It's just, like, very similar. The black guy... He's like, I don't want to hurt anyone. That's not my intention. You know, it's just that he's very, very much you're, like... You know what? You're fucking right. And you just blew my <laughs> mind about this because you're right. Like, at the end, I'm like having all this sympathy for her having to like, you know, lose whatever. And I'm just like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's back up. Because you were doing that to this yes. guy. All prepared to have him die. Absolutely. And I think that that's, again, to me, my mind immediately is like, why is her pleads more valid than his when he was actively showing, hey, look, I don't mean any harm. I'm trying to do as much as I can. And you are now in, you find yourself in a very similar position and um, all you can do is beg for mercy. You're right. You know what? Because you're right. <laughs> I really don't have any particular feelings for for Lena Headley or Schoolgirl or Blanket. But <laughs> it, I think it was just the concept of like someone you love is about to be hurt and you're unable to stop it from happening. Like that feeling. I mean, but I do know, like you said, it's like there are so many times where we are face are met with situations like that um when it comes to illness you yeah know, it's just yeah, like yeah. there's just like there's a certain amount of helplessness and me being who i am i could see myself 
I had a really big problem when people beg. Yeah, yeah. When someone seemed to have made up their mind. It's like, if you are a killer, you don't suddenly change your mind. Because, you know, it's like... I don't know. You, I had, feel like you had full intent. If you if all you have is your mouth available, like, I feel like you're just using whatever tool... See, and I feel like at that point in time, I become a you fighter. Would, you would just... I just, I'm just, and I'm not saying that. I don't know. I haven't been in there, but I think I don't beg. But how I'm would you fighter. fight if you tied up? How would you fight if you can't move? Well, I, again, it's just like I, I believe that I'm someone who, um, I'm, I'm, I, I only because I've been in this situation. I've actually, uh, not this particular one, but there was a situation where it's like I could have fought back, and instead, what I did was I completely became still, and I became very strategic, and mm. I became very. Just mindful, and it's like I need to. I need to remember this. I need to make sure. It's like sure, it, sure and that's sure. what I would be doing. Be more logical and analytical way more logical it. and analytical. I could see myself just not resisting, but slowly untying myself. You know, it's just like things like that. Um, and that's how I I predict I would handle it. But I mean, I guess you know. Okay, know. the bigger question of the night. Yes, you uh-huh. are in a white neighborhood. Yeah. On the night of the purge. Absolutely. You're out there. You're bloody. You get taken into this house. You get almost tossed out to the white supremacists outside. You get a gun. Are you saving the people who tried to kill you? Are you doing with with what this man did as far as, like, becoming almost like a guardian to these people? Like, are you taking that upon yourself? Or are you hiding from all these crazy well, white Well, no, people? I do believe that there is... a um. To me, there is this innateness that minorities have, not all, but a lot, to where we are raised to, if you can do something, do something. You know what I mean? And it's like, I feel like my humanity may overrule at that point in time, where it's like, I am in a position, I have the ability to surprise To risk your life for those who tried to hurt you. It's not about trying to hurt them, especially since at this point in time, they had become allies and they had agreed to fight. I don't think it's about that. I think it's really more about seeing people who are helpless and putting yourself in their shoes and being like, if I was helpless, I would want someone to do the same for me. And I think that's what he does in that moment more than anything else. Um, Because he even says, he doesn't go on a a raid. And he's not like, I mean, everyone in that house is dangerous to him to that point. And instead he takes a moment and he says to the person of the house, it's your decision. Well, I, I, he does seem genuinely thankful that she spared his life. Um, so I mean, all of that does add up. I think just the point I'm trying to make is that what's brilliant about this movie is that I don't think you can watch this movie without asking at least a few of those questions to yourself of what would I do if I were there? I would like to believe I have the humanity. I would like to believe that I would be able to overcome the situation or the circumstance. But this movie shows like, you know, the duality of these people who thought they were going to react a certain way and then completely went off the rails. Yeah. It's one thing to have lip service and, and consider yourself, um, above it all until uh push comes to shove and you really have to face and ask yourself these and maybe surprise yourself because i do think that this family like you essentially were putting on headphones and watching tv like they said okay this thing's happening outside it's just a normal night for us we're just gonna hang out tough and like they were ignoring it until it emerged into their lives absolutely um okay so uh as i said i only had like a a, a few more notes and one of the bad sure, sure, sure. for me was uh and i just thought this was really funny um it is one hour before the purge begins and everyone's just now leaving there like the boyfriend's like, oh, I'm gonna go home now. Uh, excuse me, sorry, this is LA. I don't know a single place in LA traffic where you're gonna leave an hour before 
all crime is legal. Nah, you needed to leave like four hours ago. The fact that he the four hundred five is like yeah. yeah, he like went to work that day. Like, how is this not a national? Yeah. How how do you not have the day off? You were risking it. You were risking driving home and being home on time, knowing that you had one hour left. Nah, son. Florida gets like three days heads up to prepare for a hurricane. How are you going to work? Huh? I just yeah, I'm very very much like to me. No, there was a ton of shit like that that I was just like. Mm, Let's actually think this exactly. through. Exactly. Like I said, if you're in California and the purge is that day, I'm calling off work. It's, you know, it's like, our, our like the, even they're like, oh, we're going to put it down at seven. Nah, mine had hit at like noon. Yep. <laughs> we'll open the doors again tomorrow at noon. We're just going to lock up for 24 hours just to play it safe. <laughs> Five hours afterwards for those who didn't hear the alarm. Like, And that's the other thing that I was asking too of yeah. myself was like, yeah, this alarm goes off to let you know that it's over. But if I killed someone, couldn't I just tell them that I did it before the alarm went off? Well, that's the thing. It's just, like, a lot of this movie, the other one of my bad, it's just, like, the threads of this movie. Like, they're, like, um, it's good for the economy. It's not good for the economy. A lot of things that I looked up just talked about the effects of something that, I mean, we are talking about destruction of property. We're talking about death tolls. We're talking about... um, But if crime is 0% the rest of the year, are they not saving money in that way? No, you're not. Think about, like, just think about a a riot that will happen on a block for one night. Yeah, yeah. Um, the impact that that has financially, um, that lasts for years. There are certain riots that we are still talking about in certain neighborhoods just because the impact it had on that neighborhood. Um, additionally, I was watching something and they were like, no small business would get funding. Why? Because one day a year, you could just be robbed of all your inventory. I, and... I You know what? I thought of that, too. Like, in the sequel, they talk about um, how, like, a bank moves money out the day before. And I was yeah. just like... And actually, one of the sequels is about a small business and, like, people yeah. trying to protect it. Um, but, it, like, the entire time, I was like, what kind of insurance policies are there for purge shit? Like, is this family going to get some kind of insurance check because they well, died on the purge? Does that exist? And, and what's even crazier is knowing our insurance company no well there would be no insurance because to cover or it would be so expensive that only the rich could afford it. absolutely and what i'm saying is it would be something like they would consider these things like acts of god where it's like you know like um most of florida i believe is like underwater or something like that or yeah. like new york but it's impossible to get flood insurance or like yeah, if you yeah, do it yeah. like it has to be very specific and you're like well if i'm in this area and you know it may be flooded why can't i have flood like a, insurance it's like a pre-existing condition almost. absolutely yeah. and that's how i see insurance companies really dealing with it um because again money so well and i bet you those flights to get out of the country are probably expensive as oh, hell yes <laughs> yeah okay uh anything else um you know what i don't and i know this conversation kind of went all over the place i just felt like when you're watching this movie there's so many thoughts that pop up there's so many conversations i want to have about so many small parts of it it's really hard to talk about it in a linear way because there's so many ingrained metaphors that you know as we've discussed that are just kind of worth like dissecting and so i just felt like this movie um you know with all the negative reviews that it got really did a lot more right than it did wrong i completely agree um how about makeover do you have anything now for the makeover and again this is a franchise and a lot of ideas have been explored correct but for this specific movie i think that there's a few things that you could have done um to just kind of make it a little bit more horror i guess like i think it would have been better to not really know the black man's intention until maybe 
towards the end of the movie. Like, have that be a thing for us as the audience, knowing that, like, oh, he isn't this guy who's best friends with this kid right away. Like, he's this person who potentially could do something. Yeah, wrong. the audience. Play off the audience's racism. Yeah, you know? exactly. I, mean, like, yeah. Like, I feel like Get Out does that a lot better. Yeah. And I just felt like, like, playing on things like that, like, playing on the, um, you know, there's that moment where... Uh, the girl, the girl's like, "Hey, I'm gonna go hide in your secret hiding place," and, and you're immediately like, "Oh, she's gonna go where that black man." And like all those things, like, why don't you just let that play out a little bit, or let us hear a scream, let us hear something? And so, like again, very minor stuff because I truly like this movie a lot, and um, I don't know what I could do to make the Rotten Tomatoes score go up on this because I feel like. The commentary, like I said, better than Hunger Games, yet this is worse rated than Hunger Games. So yeah. uh, I'm not really sure what else to do with the makeover. Well, I feel like so a few things. Right off the bat, I feel like with the movie, as I said, it has a pacing issue. It's sure, trying to, sure, like, sure. It really draws out certain scenes, especially in the house, and I feel like that could have been condensed. It's already a 90-minute movie, so it's like... But there are just things that we don't need, and it probably could be like an hour, 20, hour 15, and yeah, yeah. would have been fine. But in reality, everything else, I feel like they really do understand the world that they've created with this. And we already have like several sequels. There's a TV show now on USA about the purge. And that's you know, our Hunger now, Games idea. Just like this world is so big. Let's explore all the different parts. And of that's it. what I was going to say. And I feel like there's like, we can't really come up with um, a, a better makeover than what they're already doing. So with it. If, if you're watching this movie, why do you think it's rated so low? I honestly, like, I, I hate to be that point or be that guy, but I think this movie is rated so low because, number one, the pacing issue. I we, we like excitement. We like things that, like, really jump out at us. And I also feel like it gets low rated because it's dealing with uh, subtext. It's dealing with class issues. It's dealing with um, racial issues. And I just don't think that... American populations want to deal with those things with their horror. They want to be scared. Okay, okay. So do you feel like maybe it was a timing issue? Like, this movie was released in 2013. Get Out was 2017. Get Out does everything that this movie does as far as making horror with deep social commentary about racial divides and our, you know, ingrained prejudice. And it's hailed, it's, it gets an Oscar. Yeah, but you know, also, I will say, I will say that... Um, Get Out also has a better budget, which yes. you can see. Yeah, yeah. It has more symbolism. More symbolism. Yeah, I, Get um, Out's a, a superior film. But well, I just, well, no, I'm just saying that these are elements that are missing. And then yeah. more than anything, it's also funny. Get Out has humor to it. And this is just a tense ride the entire way. It's all the thought experiment and none of the relief that you get um, in Get Out. Um, and I think that actually makes a really big difference. I do, I do agree with you because I saw that movie that you were talking about the the one where the bride marries the game people. Yeah, ready or not, ready or not, and that one also has that where it's yes. like tense, tense, tense. Let's take a moment to have a joke and relax a little bit. And I do think there there needs to be, um, you know, when you're doing a horror movie, when you're doing pacing, you're really playing on the audience's emotions. You're taking us really on this emotional roller coaster of being very tense and then relaxing and tense and relaxed. And to not have that flow very well can add some issues. But I, again, I do not think that's the reason, the main reason this movie is rated low. I think it was because it was just a little ahead of its time. And I'll give you that. Okay, anything else you want to say? 
Um, no, I'm very, unlike you, I'm more interested in revisiting the sequels and maybe even watching a little bit of this TV show and kind of figuring out what else they do with this premise because um, much like we talked about with Hunger Games, the idea of, hey, there's a day where all crime is illegal is a, is a amazing uh, IP to just really work with, so. Yeah, and I definitely, I'm with you. I, I'm now interested in the Purge franchise. Yeah, yeah. All right. So thanks, guys, for listening to another episode of Movie Makeover. Remember, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, all of the places. You can find me on Twitter at Extra Siege. Um, TC? Uh, yeah, you can find me at A Braver Me on Instagram. And if you guys have any thoughts on how to make The Purge better, actually, I have a few things for you. If you, <laughs> if you know how to make this movie better, how would you purge if you could purge? And if you guys have any other uh, Halloween-y type movies for us to do, uh, we'd love to hear about that too, because uh, tis the season. Yeah, uh, and as always, you guys, I'm Teach. And I'm um, TC. Makeover, Makeover and, and out. out. I honestly don't have a quote for this movie. It was just everything was. Yeah, is there is there a, anything quotable? quotable? Just think about all the good the purge does. <laughs> I guess might just be. That's a really good one. <laughs>